Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, how's it going? Professor Herb here from YouTube. And Olivia. Um, from my house. Yeah, from my house. <laughs> we're back, and I know we're a day late. We tried recording the other day, well, yesterday, because that's when it was supposed to come out. Or today it was supposed to come out. It was but supposed, yeah. We tried recording the day before, and it just stopped recording on my desktop. So the whole thing just was not recorded, and we just kind of lost hope at that point. So we decided <laughs> to just push it back a day. So that's why it's a little bit late this week. But we switched to Olivia's computer, which is a little bit newer and has less memory issues because mine's a mess. So we should be good now, hopefully, unless Olivia's been downloading a lot of bad stuff on there. All the Sims custom content. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Anyway, we're going to be talking a little bit about reptile laws today. We're just going to focus on that right now, just as the main topic. We're not going to have two. It'll probably be about 30 minutes total, I'm, uh, I'm guessing. We went super long last time, so I kind of wanted to do a shorter one. But basically why this kind of came up as our topic for today is I saw a new law introduced in Michigan which again is just kind of pretty strict on reptiles and care and stuff like that so I'm a little fed up but when I was talking to Olivia about what to do for this topic she referred back to when the Tiger King came out and we had a little bit of a disagreement on who can own what and the guidelines around that. So, funny enough, yesterday when we were recording, you know, she was all pumped up to go in, and then she realized she agreed with me. So, you know, so much for an argument. I wish you guys really heard that version because she basically argued my point for me, and then she started trying to slander me with different topics. So, it was, uh, it was quite entertaining. To be fair, when mm -hmm. we first had the discussion, yeah, uh -huh. maybe I didn't understand. Maybe I didn't understand your stance completely, but I felt very strong way, and I guess like maybe I just mm -hmm. yeah, because you got actually mad at me. Sometimes in my feelings, mm -hmm. I like lose sight of anything, mm -hmm. and I will argue to the point where you just give up mm -hmm. and say I'm right. So basically, what the argument came around was. I, I said that I think anybody should be should have the opportunity to keep pretty much anything in terms of reptiles and exotic animals, but they have, obviously going through required training for the necessary you know reptiles, more advanced keeping and stuff like that. So basically what it came down to is that I think everybody out there should be able to own one of these animals, whatever you want to talk about it. A tiger, Komodo dragon, whatever. But, again, they have to go through a necessary licensing process that will ensure that they can provide the best care, the proper care, they know what they're doing, they have precautions in place, all that good stuff. But I feel like if you can go through an extensive process and show all that and prove all that, I don't see why... I feel like we already own some of the most dangerous... Uh, dangerous in, in quotes because that's just how they are reptiles and animals kind of out there already we are already owning tigers and venomous snakes and such like that so it can't get much worse it's just now adding 
a licensing process on that, which I believe if, you know, the government actually cared about the hobby and not just about the government, a licensing permitting process would be ideal for those type of reptiles. But when it came down to it, I think her main argument point was against that I said everybody should be able to do it. It should be, like, nearly impossible for you to own a tiger. I think if you go through what you need to go through, anybody should be able to do it. No, I, like, like I said, like, you should have, like, a degree of some sort. You know, you should have, like, a financial stability. You should have to have, like certain there should be certain like zoning regulations where you like can't keep a tiger like within like you know certain amount of square footage feet of you're a school. so mad about that you had to sniff twice <laughs> yeah that's exactly <laughs> why so i think that like yes anybody could do it but i want to say like point zero 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 one percent will actually finish it that's so how I feel. basically what i equated it to yesterday was that was that of a phd basically You have a large majority of people getting their high school diploma, a lesser but still big majority getting their college degree, and then you have probably getting on the more minority side, I I don't know the exact percentages, but getting their master's degree, and then a very small percentage getting their PhD. But everybody has the opportunity to go for their PhD if they put in the work. You know, if, if you put in what you need to do to get accepted to a PhD program, which everybody can. Obviously, you know, some people, I'm not going to say some people won't be at a disadvantage because, you know, finances help having a good financial background uh, during your upbringing, stuff like that. There's more to it. But basically, there's nothing from the get-go saying no matter what you do, you you can't get a PhD. And that's kind of how I feel about exotic animals and reptiles is from the get-go, it's plausible, it's possible, but as you go through the training steps, you need to show that you can financially support the animal, that you can care for the animal, that you can give them proper living conditions, a proper uh, enclosure, cage, stuff like that. So that's what I was equating it to. You're just staring at me. I just, like, I just feel like institutions and, like, our organizations that have the knowledge and the funding should be the ones taking care of, like, these type of exotic animals that require, like, a lot more than just UVB in a little enclosure and some lighting. What are you trying to say? I'm just trying to say that you... Don't call my enclosures little. Like, Don't call them little. Compared to a tiger cage, Sean, Mm -hmm. compared to a tiger cage, your enclosures are like ants. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay? Tigers should have, like, an entire state. Okay, so, but basically, I don't know. I don't I don't see a difference. If you can keep them as well as a zoo, even better, because not all zoos are that great, what, what's the problem? I, see, like, I'm not disagreeing mm-hmm. with you well, on that. Well, see, you were just disagreeing, just, and then you I just flip flop right there. I don't think that, like, like, I don't think, like, Senor Frog should just be able to have a, a tiger. I just don't think so. I just... Like I said, I agree with you. Like, there could be, like, a licensing thing. She's hand-motioning a lot right now. (laughs) Why do you always comment on that? (laughs) Let me hand-motion. This is how I argue. When I argue with you on other things, I hand-motion. It's how (laughs) I bring out my feelings. Mm -hmm. Yes, this. You don't know? You guys can't see it, but I'm doing motions. 
Yeah, she's like, putting her leg behind her head. It's no, weird. Okay, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I wish I could do that. But anyways, I just feel like it has to be extensive enough, like, where it would almost even be way more difficult than a PhD. A PhD is so incredibly hard and extensive. I don't think it needs okay, to be Okay, but you're, like, difficult. taking care of, like, an endangered species. Not, first of all, not all the time. Second of I'm, all... I'm talking about in, in the instance of tigers. I feel very strongly about this because I <laughs> want to save the tigers of the world because mm-hmm. I love them so much and they're, like, I, almost gone. I don't think they require PhD-level knowledge unless you're researching and experimenting. No, I think that tigers are so precious that only precious people can take okay, care of see, them. see, now we're getting a little biased. No. Mm-hmm. All animals are precious, <laughs> but tigers just happen to be more okay, precious. Okay, so, bias. <laughs> And then uh, we, we kind of turned the conversation towards, what, the venomous laws and yes. stuff like that. I, okay, let me just, I have a problem with venomous reptiles because we have a sun. That's my problem, okay? That's, that's one of the reasons why I, like, I would never want you to own one. Like, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to, like, MMA fight me. Like to the death. I'll just to, pull like, Adele bring one and of then drop it off at your job. <laughs> I promise you, you'll never see me again. I'll probably get a Gila at some point. Mm. But when you die the, the and go point, to heaven. The point is, is that I, I personally think so venomous laws, not all state have venomous laws. I could get it can I, can I finish? Can I finish, Olivia? Before you get all handsy in my face? In some states First of all, I like the state I'm currently in, you can get a Gila monster, I think pretty much most venomous reptiles without anything. I could just go out and buy one. There's some states like Pennsylvania where you can get some species of, you know, what, crocodilians that... <laughs> Are they really permanent. called crocodilians? What's wrong with crocodilians? I don't know, because I call, like, Johnny's little teething thing crocodilioso, and, like, you need fun <laughs> okay. of that. Anyway, so... Not all states require them, but there are some states, usually some of the southern states, that require a permitting process. And I, I do think permitting for venomous reptiles is probably a smart idea in in the purest form. I mean, they're not reptiles you should be messing around with and just, you know, picking up casually. But I do think a popular term is to log a thousand hours of experience with someone who already has this permitting for that specific species, I think it might be family, or state by state, I don't know, of reptile, and I think a thousand hours is a little overkill. And the second problem is that, because of legal reasons, unless you know someone, it's really hard to find someone to apprentice under, because, you know, you're dealing with venomous reptiles that can get you hurt, and there's a lot of legal stuff behind that and problems, so not... It's very inaccessible, and that's what I mean when I say opportunity to own something or, or care for something, is that everybody has an opportunity for it. You don't have to know someone or have an in with someone. There should be something to provide you with that so you can learn that stuff. So I agree on the opportunity, but I don't agree on the 1,000 hours. I feel like if you're going to open it, if you're going to open up to everybody and have it accessible for everybody to get this permit, I think they should put in the long haul, especially if they're potentially dangerous, venomous, and because of those liability reasons, I think that's important. I don't know. I think a thousand hours is quite a long time. 
I think that, like, unless you're a hermit and you live in the cabin in the woods and you just take care of these reptiles, there's never people around and you don't have to worry about anything like that, fine. Because if it gets loose and it's, like, in the middle of nowhere, fine. Well, okay, first of all, Gila monsters are already loose in the United States. They come from here. Okay, but they're, like, they're in one state. No, they're in a few states in the southwest. No offense to the Southwest, right? But in a lot of the places where they exist, it's very hot. It's like a million degrees. People don't usually go out and, like, go free roaming. I mean, people for, people go out. They do, but, mm-hmm. like, not all, you know. Who's going out on 135 degrees? So you're attacking the Southwest on Mike right now. No, no, no. I'm attacking the sun. So you the hate sun. the Southwest. I'm attacking is, the sun. Is what you're saying. No, no, no. I mean, I personally wouldn't move there. See, confirm. I personally wouldn't move there. I have no problem with other people who live there. I'm sure <laughs> Southwesterners are so nice and very kind people. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that, like, going outside, it's hot. You get sunburn. You can get... It's, it's, you don't want to be outside. Like, you, okay, for instance, we went to Myrtle Beach, right? And that's, like, not even really that south. And that one summer we went to Myrtle Beach, everything was happy, great, and then you go outside, and it's, like... It's like the okay, outside that is suffocating. That has nothing to do with the Southwest. That was kind of just like no, it's a like a heat thing. I'm saying Gila monsters live like in like extreme heat states, like extreme so, heat. So dry states. heat. Yeah, dry. I, I have you? I'm sorry. Have you lived in the Southwest United States? Do you have personal experience? What's your What's your high every day during the summer? What is What are you talking about? Exactly. She doesn't <laughs> even know what weather is. Okay. I'm just saying. That I don't think a thousand hours is that much to ask for. I, I really, think it's a lot. I don't. I think if this is like a venomous reptile, and you you made the point where, like, if you live, let's say, in like the northeastern states, right, where Gila monsters aren't in the wild, right, and you get bit by one. I mean, not many people do, but if you get bit by one, there's not like an anti anti venom thing there, you know, doctors and, like, well, the they ER. have it. A lot of big hospitals will have it, but it's not a common I'm thing. Sa- yeah, but I'm saying, like, it's just, like, a worse situation for you than if you were to be in a place where, like, they deal with these kind of things. Do you know what I mean? You're so, not really explaining it that clearly. Okay, I'm sorry. You're explaining it in a really <laughs> Olivia way, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening Listen. don't speak Olivia. Okay, so. ready? If you, 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 I think the 1,000 hours, like, could technically be overkill, but I think it's important, especially for reptile keepers who are experienced, and they're just like, you know what, like, I'm so great at what I do, and this is, like, not even just a reptile thing, this is just, like, people who have experience with things kind of, like, take little shortcuts because they, like, think they know everything, and they think everything's gonna be okay, right? So, for instance, like... But how can you take a shortcut? I'm saying, like, if you, like, handle the Gila monster and you're supposed to handle it with, like, gloves all the time, you're supposed to do with this, and then they're just like, oh, I've had this Gila monster for, like, five years, whatever, like, he's my best friend, my buddy, you know, little Jeff right here, I'm just gonna grab him real quick, clean up this poop for Jeff, and then Jeff's like, I'm not feeling it, then Jeff bites him in the hand, and then he's like, oh, no, I live in Maine, and then you go to, like, a Maine hospital, and they're like, oh, no, what's a Gila monster, never heard of that, then the guy's screaming, then the doctor's screaming, you know, that's what, that's why you need those, that's why you need those reenactment. I just think that it's important when you're dealing with a reptile that 
is potentially dangerous, venomous, and you're responsible for that reptile and for the other people around you that may interact with that reptile. And I think that a thousand hours will kind of just like instill into your brain that this is like a serious thing. And I think that the law should be mm. super strict. I think. Okay, so there are already, like I said, is laws that require a thousand hours, and there's still plenty of people that freehand heal monsters. No, well, okay, the other problem, I think, personally, is I think that. I, I understand, like, the way the political system in our country works, where, like, states, like, have, like, their own laws and they do their own things okay, that so way. so we passed fourth grade history. But I think that that, like, a venomous kind of law should be kind of universal to all states. Like, I think mm. that to own a venomous reptile, you should have to ha- a permit. And I think that... In an instance where you could get a Gila monster, but if we wanted to move somewhere else, like, you couldn't have the Gila monster, like, what you, what were you supposed to do? And then what are we supposed to do? Just, like, sneak him over the border of Florida and, like, keep him in a cage and hope nobody will notice? See, like, I feel like in the current political system, permitting's difficult for me to agree with because it's usually never about the actual reason permitting is good. It's usually just a way to track people's animals and get money from them. And... That's not why a permitting system is good. I mean, there are some good permitting systems, but they they usually aren't. And I mean, like, it's it's hard because at the same time, there there definitely are people who should not be owning Gila monsters. But at the same time, I mean, state I'm in, Pennsylvania, has no laws against Gila's, and is there's like- a lot of big breeders of Gila's in there. You don't see like problems with healers biting a bunch of people and stuff so you know what i mean i know but i also feel like the hobby like isn't that big and like as it grows i think that needs to be addressed uh, i mean i don't know how i don't know what the growth rate of the hobby is but i mean i think right there that shows a, how small percentage of the population actually want to keep these type of animals reptiles. and reptiles and i think that alone is I mean, like, like it. I, as much as I love reptiles, I don't recommend everybody to go out and get one, you know. And I, I do think it's for a select, in uh, a select group of people who have this scientific kind of. I don't know, it, inquiry into these species and learning about them and stuff like that. They're like and an I, acquired taste. And well, no, but I feel like in order for. I feel like I, I, there's no measurable way to really see this, I guess, unless you just purely going through a licensing process and dealing with all that. But I, I, I think that for you to own an exotic animal, reptile, whatever, you obviously have to be very intrigued and passionate and curious about it. And if and no, everybody's not like that. So, like, if everybody got out and got one, there would be a lot of problems. But obviously, like I said, there's a select group of people who actually really are enthusiastic about learning about reptiles and exotic animals. And I would like to think most of those people, because of their passion, would give it the best, you know, the best environment, atmosphere, you know, dealing with the the negatives, the positives in a good way. Does that make sense? So, I want to, like, just clearly admit that I'm, like, ignorant to, like, reptile keeping, Mm -hmm. because I'm not, like, a reptile keeper. So, I guess, like, my stance on, like, the 1,000 hours would be, like, a safety issue, but if there's, like, not a current problem 
with, like, that being a safety issue, then I can understand where you're coming from. Now, I still believe that there should be, like, laws in place. And would you agree, like, if they, if they had a large group of people who are experienced and handle venomous reptiles that either have permits or have had, like, lots of experience handling reptiles come and make, like, a licensing overall law. Well, I mean, I wouldn't really describe it exactly like that, but what you're describing, the government already has. I mean, how do you think, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but, uh, I can't remember the name of that really old law that is supposed to... Oh, I, is it the Lacey Yeah. Why do I know that? Is it that? Is that the one thing? Well, anyway. No, I, I think that's... There is a branch of government that focuses on wildlife, like, a federal, no. at a yes. federal level. But, like, I don't, I don't know... Well, what I'm trying to say is if experts that have dealt with venomous reptiles and, like, have the knowledge to take care of venomous reptiles say that, like, the 1,000 hours is necessary, like... Who are you to disagree with that? Well, but at the same time, so, not to get too political, but no matter what side of the aisle you're on, those people that make those decisions are not always qualified. They are appointed those positions by people in office, and they're not exactly voted in, they're not exactly checked upon, so... What I'm saying, like, is a hypothetical. Like, if, if, like, the law was made based on people who have real experience and knowledge and could you i think just like anything there should be checks and balances i don't think there should be overall one authority because everybody has alternative motives i mean it's a lot better than having some appointed guy who doesn't know anything but also you know they may sway bias somehow and that shows in a lot of different avenues so I do think there should be a check to elements like that from, I don't know, other keepers, the general public, to if they think they're going down the wrong path, to be able to kind of rectify that path and even it out. Okay. And so, um, one of the other things that I wanted to, like, ask you about, and this is, like, something we've talked about a lot, too, since we're talking about, like, reptile laws, is, like, um, the laws preventing you from owning reptiles in, like, certain states. What is... What like, um, like, invasive species laws in general. Like, your thoughts no, on... They're stupid. I mean, the, the, the best thing you can do to stop invasive species is not let them get there in the first place. There's nothing you can do at this point besides spending probably billion of dollars to get rid of the invasive species problems reptile-wise in Florida. It's just not going to happen at this point. There, there, there's no way, like I said, unless you spend a ton of money, that you could outdo the rate they're breeding. Yeah. And they're already spent going up the you know southeast coast and stuff like that. They're too well established. They're not going anywhere. And enforcing these laws is too little, too late. You know, I wouldn't ever. I wouldn't even even if it was prior to invasive species as a preventative measure. I wouldn't even like this law, but. I think the fact that it's such after they've been established, these these laws that are supposed to be for invasive species, it just has no place. So I think most of them are complete BS. They don't have any purpose. And I think if you really care about invasive species, 
you need to come up with a better way to track animals coming in and out of states, of the country, making sure there's no accidents, stuff like that. Okay. But, like, do you see what you said there? Like, you just contradicted yourself in their previous argument. Because, like, you say that every reptile you should have access to. But if it's a potential to be an invasive species here in the United States, and they prevent import, import of that... I didn't say that, prevent it. I just say regulate it. Okay. And then we Obviously, also... you know, like, the, everything's a trade-off. You know what I mean? There's never an absolute situation. So when I say opportunity, that means, like, it, it might mean that getting an invasive species is a lot more difficult, and you have to go through a lot more extensive of a problem to show that you're not going to release it into the wild or something like that. Okay. But you can still get it, it's just going to be a lot harder because it's an invasive species and a species of concern. Okay. Because, like, when we were discussing this yesterday, like, right now, you, like, a reptile keeper cannot own a Komodo dragon, right? And I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not sure, like, the conditions that they're kept in, but, like, let's say, like, you could own like, a Komodo dragon, and like I said, I don't know anything about them, I don't know their breeding habits, but, like, what if that became, like, an invasive species problem in Florida, like, they're dangerous, like, to meet them in the wild, like, I agree the invasive species logs on tegus are kind of ridiculous, because tegus, like, aren't as bad as, like, like, all the alligators in, in Florida. Well, I mean, so, luckily, most of the United States is in an uninhabitable zone for most reptiles. So, I mean, the most concerning is Florida, obviously, and that's usually where a lot of the laws show up. But, I mean, to me, the most, the most concerning, obviously, I feel like any reptile keeper cares a lot about nature and preserving it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody wants to see an ecosystem get destroyed by an invasive species, even if it's something they love, like a tegu. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I do think a lot of people, if it makes sense and it scientifically, would support laws that might harm their keeping in order to preserve the environment or whatever. So... It's just this This law doesn't do anything. It takes away rights while at the same time because not solving a problem. Tegus have already invaded. Banning them is not going to stop anything. But that's that's kind of like, I, I'm all for it. You know, it, even if it means that you, even if it comes to it where nobody has the opportunity to own it anymore, mm -hmm. if it's that dire I've, and it makes sense, like, I can't fight that. You know what I mean? It, it, it's more important to me that ecosystems are preserved and, you know, we have... A, you know what I mean. We yeah. don't have invasive species coming everywhere. So, yeah, you know, there's drastic measures where some things might contradict my stance, but I think generally mm -hmm. that's, you know, everybody should have an opportunity. And then you, you talked about, like, the government should do better at, like, tracking animals and doing so. So, but you also said that permits, like, are a way of, like, tracking animals, and that's something that you don't like. And well, it's not tracking animals as much as people in my mind. I, I just feel like it takes a little bit of privacy away, because a lot of the time they can come by and drop by inspection without much notice, and it just, I don't know, it come, come like, I exactly wouldn't mind, but, like, let's say, like, you're having your kid's birthday party. Yeah. And they come drop by and want to inspect them or something. Some states, you know, they'll have like a, you know, they can do something like that, maybe on a 24-hour notice or something. Like, I don't want to deal with that. It's my kid's birthday party. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's just I th I feel like there's a little violation on your your rights and privacy there, while at the same time you have to pay in order to keep some of these permits. So I can like understand that, but also like if you have venomous reptiles, like why are you having a kid's birthday party in your house? <laughs> but like you have to understand that in I mean some states you don't, but in the states with these regulations, like owning a venomous reptile, you have to have behind a locked door inside a room inside another room and you have to have it labeled and locked you, and do you, you believe like things. those are extreme or do you think those are like proper measures like do you think those are reasonable um i think they're reasonable for the most part especially if there's children mm -hmm. children are not the smartest you know they don't always think things through because they're developing their brain and the last thing in the world i want is some you know john to one day have a friend over and then they think it's a good idea to go and mess with a reptile they shouldn't mess with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because not only legally, but I don't want anything to happen to any kid. Yeah. My own, my, someone else's. So, so before we go anywhere with the, what you're saying, so you agree that, like, having a venomous reptile could potentially be harmful to our child? Oh, it always is. But just like a car is. Just like how you could get struck by lightning in a thunderstorm. That's just life. That's part of life. It's just, mm. it's not a high percentage and it's probably negligible, the percentage, if you do it properly. So I, I do think properly, you know, if, especially if you have a kid, putting it in a room inside a room that's locked, enclosure's locked, it's labeled venomous, you, you take all these precautions, I, I don't think you'll ever have a problem. And I do think they, they do have a place. And, you know, if, if it even saves just a few people from getting bit, and in extreme cases dying, then I, I think it's worth putting everybody through that. And I also think it says something for someone to go through all that to keep the reptile. If you go through all that, because a lot of people don't have that type of setup, you know, a room inside a room with a locked door, stuff like that. They usually have to make some modifications to get that set up. Mm -hmm. I think that just speaks to how serious they are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're willing to do all that, it's not like you just went to Petco and picked up a bearded dragon. Okay. So, do you feel that it's wrong, then, for states that have no laws against venomous reptiles and snakes? In an ideal world or the real world? In, like, an ideal world. Ideal world? I, I definitely think there should be universal licensing and permitting, but we're not in an ideal world. I know, unfortunately. It's, like, so it's a funding issue it, most it's, of the time. It's, it's a political moves, for the most part, when it comes to licensing and permitting and stuff like that. It's never really, while there are some occasionally good permitting regulations and laws and stuff that fit in with some of these, they're usually not that great. And I don't know. I think that it gives them a little bit too much control. And it's very much a theme in the reptile hobby that once a law passes, the government just starts taking more and more control. Yeah. And so as soon as the foundation is laid for them there it just seems like it just gets worse and worse in terms of your rights so that's that's where you know it, i i don't i can't agree to that even though i think it would be overall smart if they did it right now i have like one last question before we like kind of wrap it up so like i i am what i uh, i would call like a civilian right like in the gaming world, like, we call people who, like, don't game hardcore, like, normies, right? So I'm, like, the normie, 
of like the reptile world, okay, right? So we'll cut out this last portion <laughs> no, okay. because you're just making but everybody. Cringe. Do you feel that like sometimes these laws kind of like demonize reptiles because like I know like what our tegu is like and I like have interaction with tegus, so like I know about tegus. But they almost make it seem like tegus are going out and, like, stealing kids in the middle of the night and, but like, murdering them I mean, in, like, Georgia. And then they're just, like, this terrifying dinosaur lizard. That's it, not, that's not like, permanent in the government. That's a lot of media hype and people trying to get clicks. A lot of clickbait stuff. Yeah, but... So, it's, uh, it's, it's... I mean, that's not really... I don't really think laws and regulations do that. I mean... Obviously, like, let's say reptiles are just not very well understood. A lot of people, for instance, know about tigers because they a lot of people like tigers. They see yeah. them at zoos or, like, look at these really big cats. They're beautiful. They're awesome. They're perfect. So Majestic. So, you know, a lot of people like them, and that means they learn more about them. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of stupid people who would just hop in a cage with one, but... Mm-hmm you do know that you probably shouldn't hop in a cage with one. But yes. that doesn't make them scary, I feel like, if in the proper setting, you know what I mean? If you're looking through a cage that's protective, they're cool. Yeah. And I feel like if, if the, if, education's the key. So the more people can be educated about reptiles, see them, learn about them, realize that they're not these things that are just going to, like, run in your house and start... Not Godzilla sp- coming yeah, to destroy it, your town. It's... The, the better it will be. So it's education against kind of fake media and stuff like that, clickbait stuff. So that's that's really what's kind of driving it. But. Yeah, I just feel like that, like, fake media, like, directly correlates to people who, like, don't know about reptiles, like, automatically being like, yeah, we need to ban tegus in Florida. Like, they're dangerous. They're out here, like, taking poor little well, Jimmy from poor, school. That's poor education. I mean, they, they hear one thing and suddenly... But that's like anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything you don't know about and you hear something bad about on the news or whatever, a lot of people just suddenly be like, okay, we gotta, we gotta, you know, call our congressman, you know? Like, but that's just, and I'm sure everybody does that at some point in their life with something they don't know about. But, again, that's why I said education is key. The more you can uh, uh, educate the general public about a topic, the less Mm -hmm. people will automatically be afraid of it. Good stuff, good stuff, John. Mm-hmm. So basically, Gila monster come in 2021. Oh my god, please. And we'll start breeding okay, them. We'll have six breeding pairs. We'll John. put them in John's bedroom. I do not want a venomous reptile until John is, and any, you know, future children that we decide to, like, mistakenly have, like, <laughs> move out of our house. Like, you can be, you can, when you retire, you can get your coveted Gila monster and you can make out with it and love it forever. But yeah, for I'll, right I'll now... I'll probably be getting one in the next couple of no, years. No, nope, nice, nope, nice nope, conversation. Nope, 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 nope. Anyway, guys, I think we'll wrap it up here. We're trying to keep this one just short. And I need to make sure I get the last word on the Gila Monster. So, <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. And sorry about it being a day late. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Like always, make sure to sub- subscribe. Follow. Fo- sub- yeah, sub- follow. That, mm-hmm. Sure. I guess that's what we're doing, and <laughs> we still don't know. No, we don't know. Press the button. Yeah, press the button. Make sure to keep up to date on this. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast thus far. We're eventually going to be having all guests and stuff like that, but I kind of want to establish 
just the basics here for a little bit and get that going and established first and foremost. So that's what we're doing now. Again, make sure to check us out on social media or check me out on social media. I'm not going to tell you my handles because it's a mystery to me. But basically, <laughs> if you can find them, make sure you follow. It's just Professor Herp. Just search it. Yeah, sometimes it says YT at the end. Sometimes it's an underscore. You just know. look for the guy with the glasses and the bald head. Okay, we're going to go right now. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, guys. And stay tuned for next week's. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.